interesting, occasionally interesting. They are occasionally interesting. There's these, there's these biting ants that like are, they had like, like you could see like the line on our driveway. So I pulled up the one day and I just like parked the bike and I step into it, not realizing that I'm stepping into their home. And I mean, it's, they, they bite and they're microscopic little ants and they freaking hurt. It's terrible. Don't recommend it. Aw. Still a little traumatized, if you can tell. Yeah. He poured bleach on them the next day. <laughs> yeah. And they still come back. And they didn't. You, didn't. Can, you destroy a colony for about a week and they're like, they're gone. And yeah. They just breed underground and come back again. And this, where are the termites? swarms oh my we had no idea what was happening like we we would come back the first big rain and we're on the, we're on the sunk tower because we had to take the open fan truck because of chewy and there's just we're driving through these swarms we don't know what they are so there's like it was terrifying we didn't like at least we biting insects in like covered in them how we had to close the windows and then they start coming in for the gaps to the light and then you're in the bedroom finally like turn off everything and then you turn the phone light on check a message and they're uh, like yeah. <laughs> ah, ah, they yeah. got in the room oh. you just can't have any lights on when they appear yeah or you have to have a light really far away from you so it distracts yeah. them yeah, we had a big termite mess we had one now next to the house they just swarm out of it like when it was first starting we had thousands we'd have to get a vacuum cleaner and do the whole house like oh. piles of them i didn't even know they had vacuum cleaners in thailand yeah, seriously. I've never seen one. Seen. I, got a, I got a Western Western owner, so like he's got uh, a shop back I steal. I'm like, yes, do uh, everything, man. Spiders, yeah. Very nice. It's crazy. So I haven't realized that we haven't seen a vacuum in that long. <laughs> the little things that you forget about, you know. I'm surprised this house doesn't get more termite issues. Yeah, we just have whatever the like wood ants that eat all the bamboo. There's just the constantly yellow powder underneath everything. Teak wood is super hard. I don't think uh, they can get into it. Yeah. That's why everything's built out of teak wood around here. This stuff is solid. Super heavy. Yeah. All right. Let's all get right. into it. So today on the podcast, we have Kevin. Uh, and you're a man of many <laughs> talents, businesses, and stuff. <laughs> I'll let you... Uh, Say everything that you're involved with and representing. Okay, yeah, I'm Kevin, and I'm the founder and president of Wild Response, and we are a nonprofit set up to um, prevent in- endangered species going extinct. And we do that by providing training to wildlife rangers and anti-poaching units on the ground in Africa and Asia. Um, there's a lot of other projects out there, nonprofits that put money into projects, but at the end of the day, like, the guys that protect them from being killed are the guys on the ground. A lot of money goes to like leg- legislation and um, like, trying to like stop the trade, but that's after they're dead. So I really focus on the guys and girls who are getting shot at and are in danger every day. So providing free training and resources to them. That's awesome. How did you first get involved in this? Um, I was in the army for 16 years in America. Um, I spent eight as a special forces guy. So lots of deployments around the world eight deployments total between like iraq and afghanistan and some other places um always been hugely into nature as a kid i love nature watched uh, david Attenborough my whole life growing up in england he's like a huge fan so while i was in special forces i got injured and then uh, i was gonna have to leave the army because of my injuries so i figured all that training and know how i had networking i would use it for good so um Got into anti-poaching in Africa, training rangers there, um, helped set up an American nonprofit there doing anti-poaching, and then moved on to um, training at one of the biggest academies there and teaching rangers on the ground. 
Um, saw a lot of issues in the way they were doing stuff and ways that if you know, we incorporated what I learned in Special Forces would really make a huge difference in like, catching these guys. So I decided to come out of Africa, set up my own company, and then uh, bring it to Asia, where they don't seem to have as much support here. So that's what I'm doing now here in Asia. How did you first uh, find out about poaching problems? And um, of- I've been aware of the poaching problem for a long time. Like I've always been aware of conservation and protection of endangered species. So just from watching BBC Wildlife uh. and the advantation of the internet, you can find all this. And I'm a YouTube junkie, so you can find everything on there. They stay very up to date on it. So being in the army and watching all this, I was like, man, if only they had some help. Or like, man, I'm watching them do these videos on YouTube where they're doing patrols and they're missing things. Like, man, if they were just doing this, it'd make a huge difference. Or, um, I see a lot of places where they're using these really expensive equipment. It looks really good on the TV when they get donated it, but I'm on the ground and seeing it. It's broken. They can't run it. They can't repair it. So mm-hmm. we have drones here you can buy that less than $1,000. That would be amazing. If they crash it or lose it, it's $1,000 versus like, here's $15,000 drone. Yeah. Good luck with your no education looking after this. So little things like that decided I'd uh, make a non-profit and then I'd, I'd do that. So they'd just be like, man, they should do this. Like, well, now I'm going to do it. So what are the main things of your non-profit that are different? Um, definitely the background of special forces and what we learned uh, in the service doing stuff like that. And then just how we're going at the training. A lot of the doctrine they teach for special forces are a little outdated. Um, it works, but... It can be updated and changed. Like what? Definitely leveraging technology. Everyone has a phone now. Even the guys poaching have a phone. Before they get somewhere, you can put up Google Maps and find where the ranger station is. They can find out where the water holes are. They're using WhatsApp to send encrypted messages. Um, they can buy a drone for $1,000 to find rhinos or elephants. I mean, a rhino horn is about 20000 to $50,000 once they have it. So a $1,000 investment for a drone is nothing. Oh, That's yeah. so crazy. Who Top. is st- like buying this? I just don't understand the market um, The dynamics. Asian market is huge into Vietnam, China. Yeah. It's where pretty much Like it's still it considered a point of pride in these cultures to own? To own rhino horn. Yeah. It's a sign of wealth. Um, they mix it down in a little bowl and they drink it. They believe it cures hangovers and stuff like that. But really, what? it's the rich and powerful rhino because no one else can afford it. So they're just buying it as a status symbol to show that. They like powder the rhino yeah they rub the horn on a special bowl it's keratin it's the same as your fingernails yeah. you get a bunch of fingernails and you would have rubbed them on like a sandpaper bowl and then mix whatever they mix into and drink it um so that's where rhino horn goes ivory which is the elephant tusks usually get made into trinkets like a band or an elephant like why like why kill the elephant to do that and tigers tigers another one that heavily poached their skins go to the market um Chinese medicine is big on like tiger dick. Helps helps with virility. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't at all. Tiger bone wine. Um, they view it as a powerful animal, so as a sign of power, they like to eat it. Um, so that's destroying the tigers. There's only about three thousand eight hundred tigers left in the wild and in the world, and there's about five to seven thousand in captivity in America. So that, wow. Yeah, three thousand eight hundred in the wild. 5,000 to 7,000 in captivity just in America. That's crazy. Yeah. And they're not all in one place either. That's 3,800 spread out through India, Asia. That's tiny population. That's that's not a breeding population really sustainable. Some places, I mean, Thailand has about 300-ish. Wow. Across the entire, that's not very many. There used yeah. to be millions like, all that, across. If, if all the poaching were to cease, would that level of population be able to reap? produce um, 
so that's the big thing with the like i really focus on the tigers elephants rhinos the big ones not just because they're iconic you hear a lot of people say you guys just focus on that because they're the big ones it's really because if you're protecting the elephants it's the biggest thing in the property so everything below that is also protected the rangers are patrolling mm-hmm. um they carve paths through the ecosystem. They eat a lot of grass. They recycle a lot of manure. Like, so they're putting lots of nutrients back in the system. So focus on the big ones. But tigers, for example, um, some places in the world they're doing better. Like they're on the rise in India. There's a pretty good anti-poaching there. Tigers are rising. And here in Thailand, there's new populations being found. But with tigers, they need food. So if people are poaching everything, like you've been in Paiwal, how much wildlife have you seen? I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything. And I've walked around the jungle here. Yeah, I mean, a couple why? Of why is that? Is that they eat everything? Poaching, Ram- so like these forests are empty, and as you saw with the burning season, when they burn everything, like everything is gone. Wow. It's just empty forests. So the big effect of that is your prey species are gone. So your big animals are gone from that. You know? So they end up in these. You have to have enough food to support a large animal like that. And this is big business. You mentioned twenty to fifty thousand dollars for a rhino horn. Yeah, two hundred thousand dollars for a tiger. Um, two hundred thousand dollars, and that's that's you know talking about Thailand. Two hundred thousand dollars. That's it's more money than most people. That's see in a life lifetime. changing in in the states, even you know. Yeah, yeah I the, can't even it's, imagine. That's, that's by the time it makes it to the market. The guy doing the poaching isn't making anywhere close to that. He might make five thousand dollars, but oh, by the wow. time it gets sold into the wildlife trade market and then sold to the final buyer, it's money's way up. Same so in who's Africa. taking home most of that money? Um, the middleman. Like same in Africa, the, the guy poaching and taking all the risk probably gets a few thousand, and then the middleman buys it from him, and then he ships it from Africa into Asia, and then the next guy progressively goes up. It goes up the further away it gets from the actual point, right? Like coffee beans, you can go pick them yourself, and they're cheap, right? But you buy them at Whole Foods in America by the time it's been shipped and processed and packed, like you're paying full price. So, yeah. Also, like an interesting one with the poaching is the less there are of these animals, the more the price goes up. Mm. So right now, um, elephants at the turn of the 20th century, we had uh, about a million elephants in Africa, like millions of elephants. Right now, there's about 100,000. So from millions at the turn of the 20th century to now 100,000. Um, in Asia, it's 40,000. So it's split between like here and India, 40,000 elephants. Same thing, it used to be millions. Rhinos are down to about 30,000. It's not very many at all. And the, the less there are of them, the more poaching because the money goes up. And then um, if you're the illegal crime syndicate sitting on your rhino horns and ivory, then your prices go up. So it really is a, um, a controlled market how they do it. It's not just this random thing of people. Oh, someone just killed a rhino. Like it's, it's planned. So what are the rangers doing to actually stop the poaching? So the wildlife rangers are on the ground in the parks every day and Patrolling is the big one. Patrolling the perimeters, looking for footprints, signs of entry, and then tracking down and catching poachers. A um, hundred rangers a year are killed doing anti-poaching and protecting wildlife around the world, shot by poachers, killed by animals, not including injuries. It's a pretty, pretty dangerous job because you're following armed guys who are in it for money. Yeah. So it seems, I mean, that the picture you just painted seems very bleak. <clears throat> I mean, that is life-changing amounts of money that a lot of people might not have other opportunities to make that kind of money in a lifetime or it'd be it seems to me that'd be very difficult to convince somebody of that not to do it and therefore the the like there's only so much that somebody on the ground 
physically stopping them can do as long as there's a demand for this you know it seems bleak is this um is there some hope <laughs> there is some hope but at the same time yeah it is bleak right there's it, it the problem with these endangered species but why don't you do it in america well we don't we have a very robust wildlife network we have the u.s um fish and wildlife they're paid employees and it's government wages and you're looked after in these countries where the ranges exist they're usually in the west so when east sorry it's less money most of these guys are working for 350 dollars a month hmm. so carrying a gun doing all day patrols in the heat against armed guys and wild animals for 350 dollars a month um very little equipment and support so a lack of training is making them inefficient hmm. lack of technology they can leverage to con- like you might have 20 guys controlling a thousand square miles it's literally a needle in a haystack in these parks they're massive so yeah, it seems a little bleak sometimes, but like, <laughs> because we are a growing population of people. So like we're always encroaching into these wild areas and the more we encroach into them, the, the more it brings people into conflict with them. So yeah, there's very much this, like for example, in India, they, they raised a bunch of properties that were inside the national parks and people are in uproar about it. But at some point, like at what point do you have to be like enough enough and control what you have? Like, so, yeah, it's hmm. best thing you can do is protection of the parks, better training for the rangers, better technology to help allow them to cover these massive parks, and then um, better prosecution of criminals when they are captured. Is better training for the rangers mostly about how to keep the rangers themselves safe? Um, yes, yeah, so WWF just did a huge survey within the last year, the first one that's been compiled in a long time across like all of the countries, and they found out most guys um, say they haven't, most guys and girls, Say they haven't received training since they entered the job. So they might have had rudimentary training in like basic patrolling, how to work the rifle. Yeah, probably nothing to do with technology. Nothing to do with technology or how to plan ahead and these other things. So they're just kind of wandering around doing their job, but there's a lot of places that are, they're missing. And poachers are doing this every day and they, they're criminals. It's like how you avoid the police in America if you're selling drugs. But criminal networks figure out the way. Like poaching networks are the same. They're hiring lookouts. Um, it's very easy to bribe guards or the very easy to bribe wildlife rangers. I'm not saying all of them, but money is a huge financial factor, especially when you're making $350 a month. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it seems like, again, it would be really tempting to, even if they do get caught, to be like, well, you know, I can I can give you this amount of money and we'll all just go our separate ways. I mean, what about, have, are there any successful initiatives to curb demand? Social media. Um, yeah, there is more and more. And I will say that um, the younger generation is where it's at. It's the older generation that's buying the horn and driving that still. Mm. Um, but the younger generation coming up now at school is very aware of uh, BBC Wildlife and why you shouldn't do this. I saw a program on Vietnam TV the other day where I guess w, I think WWF made it, where they're him and his dad are at home watching football and the dad friends are like mixing the rhino horn the little kid takes it and throws it away he's got a little stuffed rhino and so they're teaching that to kids in school where it's wrong so the kids now are aware of this so it's, it's going to be them as they grow up they'll be like mom and dad this isn't right we shouldn't do this and that's that's what i hope will happen with a lot that's of this awesome. stuff yeah yeah because i mean we noticed here like you know everybody has a cell phone or a tv or you know even we talk a lot about in with a mud hut with no electricity yeah they have like a no matter what they're going to have access to things like social media and and i'm i'm hopeful about the burning here in thailand that that'll be a way to sort of 
you know, it's a, it's a longer term solution. And when you're talking about 300 tigers left in, in Thailand, it, you know, there's you absolutely seems to me that you need a multi pronged approach. And I, I'm, I'm sort of hopeful that that'll be a solution to a lot of things. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about social media and how bad it is, but I think it does have it's a tool that can be used that hopefully will be able to affect social change of this nature. You mean we, as a general populace, on this podcast, we usually are pro-social media. Oh, I don't know. I think we debate it. I think, well, we talk about how the the user error of social media, but social media itself. <laughs> we, it's just that we need to retrain the humans <laughs> to be better at yeah. appropriately using social media. Sure. I think you have to be a part of it now, especially if you have a business. Is like you yeah. can't avoid it. It's... Absolutely. But it, uh, even communication here in Thailand, it's tough without WhatsApp or Facebook. Facebook's just, it's mandatory. They're too convenient. Yeah. Bastards. Yeah. Wow. So that's, that's intense. Do you have any, any crazy stories? I mean, in, I'm doing this. Doing this. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Thousands. What's yeah. Where to start? So, I mean, I was in Africa doing this. Um, before and there you're in the bush so people don't also you remember like I'm walking around tracking people so I'm not walking around clapping my hands you're walking around sneaking around following trails that people follow which are the trails that animals follow so in Africa the big five are elephant, rhino, buffalo tiger, uh, tiger lion and leopard so any one of them you can bump into at any time up close it's not like a zoo like these are probably wild ones so yeah, yeah I bumped into lion up close what I've do you charged do? by elephant um, it all depends on the animals. So, what are the lions doing when you bump into them? Are they are they eating? Are they sleeping? Are they being aggressive to you? Are they moving away from you? Like, are you you can move away from them? Um, same with all the all the animals. You just have to you learn. I've been taught through school like what what the signs are. They'll they'll tell you what they're going to do. They usually go attack or they go flee. There is no that's it for them. They're moving away from you or. They're kind of like letting you know, like, you come any closer, like, you're going to get a, you're gonna get a reaction. So, yeah, I've been charged by elephant. I've been, uh, rhinos have charged so cars and smashed. Stand your ground. Don't run. Yeah, really? don't run from elephant. Yeah, just stand your ground. Be as big as possible. So, the big thing with all animals is they don't want to get injured. So, except with rhinos. Rhinos are just tanks. Like, if a rhino's charging, it's going to follow through. Yeah. Not to kill you, but they're going to charge by you, especially black rhinos. Um, elephant charges are really dangerous because they do kill a lot of people. Like, rangers get killed by elephants a lot. Yeah, I've had a friend killed by an elephant. Really? Yeah, so elephants, healthy respect for elephants, especially at night. They, mm. The elephants will kill you, and they are fast. So, stand your ground, be big, and usually they, we can get them to bluff. And they're, as they're approaching, most animals don't want to get injured. So, when they realize you aren't going to run, they're like, do I really want to get injured? Um, especially with the cats. Cats, if you can see them, it's not an issue. The ones you can't see are the ones that get you because they're cats. So if, if you can see them, they know you can see them, then it's, it changes things. Now they're not actively stalking. So if they're coming at you, it's probably a bluff. If you stand your ground, it's probably going to be like, is this worth my effort? I'm going to get injured, then I can't hunt. Like it's, the minute you run, though, that prey drive kicks in and mm. you're going to have a cuddle from a, from a big cat. <laughs> buffalo, too. I've been charged by buffalo. I've had buffalo chase vehicles. Buffalo kill a lot of people, too. Black death in Africa. Buffalo follow through. Yeah, they're ones that, if they're coming, they're coming. Like, they kill people pretty frequently. So we're dealing with all of this um, while we're doing anti-poaching. 
How? What is the incentive for people to sign up to be rangers? Is it um, just people love of animals? Love the animals, love the environment. It's yeah. Not so much like I love cats and dogs. As much yeah. like I love our our world heritage, which is our endangered species, our big wild places, and maintaining that. So that's nice. So generally, the people that you work with are enthusiastic and motivated. Yeah, even so, I'm a I'm a bit of a sport wildlife ranger of sorts. In that, I'm, I'm an American nonprofit, and my pay is better. Mm-hmm. I'm retired too, but the guys that are doing it on the ground aren't paid very much, and they are very passionate about what they do. They put a lot of love into it. So, seeing that, I, that's why I want to help them and like give back and show like, yo, we support you. This is rough, just like you said, but people are here to help, and we want to we want to do what we can. Uh, what can the average anybody listening to this podcast, any like layman in the world, uh, uh, they can can what can they do to help this whole? You can system. like and follow Wild Response, which is my nonprofit. Um, but we're saying that I have made, we have a Facebook page now, a YouTube channel. So I'm going to start posting the video a week on some of the things we do. And then I'll start getting out to the national parks and I'm doing patrols with rangers and being really active like I was in Africa. I'm going to start posting some videos of what we're doing on the ground. So also it's then like people can see where the money's word, going. Yeah, donate then, money. Yeah, be aware, spread the page, spread awareness, follow us, see what we're doing. It's the best way people can be involved. Because people always ask, how can I help in anti-poaching? Or how do I save endangered animals? Like sport rangers, like sport yeah. non-profits like myself that do this. Mm-hmm. All right. Don't buy ivory. Yeah, I've never, I've never met anybody who feel like it's on, the only thing I've ever heard is like that's guys, disgusting. You can so go to some places where there's lots of it, like, like right across the border in Myanmar. There's wildlife markets you can buy everything: tiger skin, rhino horn, which is wow. crazy for me. Like I chase that stuff in Africa. And, Literally within 500 miles, it's, it's up the road. Jesus. That's crazy. That's got to be We haven't been there. No, not. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine my reaction if somebody was like, oh, yeah, check out this piece. It's elephant. Like, yeah, well, now there's so few yeah. elephants they can find with ivory because they've killed them all off. And the elephants that are now having babies don't have ivory. They're pretty much erasing that gene. It's selectively culling all the ones with ivory. is now preventing elephants from growing ivory. Wow. Uh, so we're actually having a huge effect on the elephants, which is crazy. It went from millions to the point now where humans have killed so many with ivory, you just don't see it anymore. Wow, that's yeah. clever. I've only seen one um, elephant tusker, like with proper, like all the way down tusks. And it was one of the famous ones in the park. But there's not many. You won't find many like that, which is really sad. Yeah. Yeah, it's super rare to see an elephant bull now with proper down the ground tusks, like ancient, like at the turn of the century in the 1920s when they were shooting them all. Yeah, that doesn't. That's not so ancient. Yeah, same with rhinos. Seen, I've seen a few rhinos with massive horns, but you don't see many. It's big ones are gone. They've killed them. Like it's just walking around with bulls on your back. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I've seen some nature special where they had rangers that would tranquilize uh, large prey like uh, elephants or rhinos and then cut off the husks? Yeah, dehorning. Dehorning. Um, so I've done that too. I was smiling because like anytime you're tranquilizing and catching animals, I've done that in Africa. That's always a fun day. Cat, <laughs> caught giraffes and elephants. I've done rhino capture. I've caught zebras. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah, you dart them from the helicopter. The vet will fly in, do a dart, and then you have to chase them down in the truck and get there before they fall over onto the side. And then I've got pictures on my computer. I'd run up with a rope because I'm a big guy and you put a rope around his foot and then you're like trying to hold him. They're just dragging you through the bushes. Oh <laughs> you're trying God. to get a blindfold over him. They're like drunk and staggering around. <laughs> you don't want to, you want them to fall on their knees. And then, yeah, you cut the horn off, which is kind of sad too because um, 
I hate you're removing its horn. It's a unicorn, man. It should have yeah. its horn. It's pretty sad we have to actively cut the horns off, and they use the horn um, for protection. They fight. They're rhinos. They have a horn for dominance purposes. Mm. It's like walking around with a guy, like, here's, here's my horn. Like Now you <laughs> cut them all off, and uh, they compete with elephants in the drought, so elephants will kill rhinos, and there's a lot of mm. fighting between the other animals. So like that yeah. horn for rhino is its, is its sword. Yeah. So taking that off is – there's a lot of talk about does it affect them, and it, it does. Yeah. It keeps them alive. But now I've, I've also been on properties where if they if they track a rhino all night and they're following the footprints and they find one that's dehorned, they'll shoot it anyway because then I won't have to track and waste my time with it again. It's one dehorned rhino out of the way. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so I've dealt with that too. Um, and then they figured out that, yeah, it's pretty hardcore, man. Like They were uh, figuring out that gunshots will alert the rangers because you never know where we are. We might be like sitting on the mountaintop. We, so uh, they basically robbed a veterinarian store or someone gave them the gun and then they were darting the rhinos. So just tranquilizing them and then cutting their faces off. And then the rhino comes to like, they take the whole horns. They literally just chains up the hole. It'd be like me cutting all of this off the top of your lip. And then that's it. And the rhino wakes up and is uncontrolled. Like, yeah, it's terrible stuff. It's horrible things I've seen. Uh, if they've got babies with them, which is fairly common with the females because they have the young of them for so long, for two to three years. So there'll usually be a calf too and the calf won't leave the mum. So they don't want to waste more bullets. So they'll hack them up with the machetes and axes. To try and keep them away, but they're little tanks. They don't die. There's so much meat and muscle on top of the spine. It's very hard to kill them like that. So they'll just kind of fuck them. Excuse my language. Oh, okay. And then if we're following poachers and you find that it's very common to find a rhino calf, and now we have to get the vet there and try and get them to a center. Um, there's a few centers in Africa that just have tons of rhino calves. They usually die because they've been eating sand. If they've been there too long, they get so hungry they'll eat sand. They get colic like a horse. Oh. So that's a big issue too. Yeah, I've seen so many baby rhinos. The hyenas get to them sometimes and rip their ears off and they're all hacked up. Yeah, it's pretty rough. How do you like maintain any optimism or positivity being in this business for so long? Um, How do you have the heart and soul that you've been starting? Because the properties, the properties that we do, I have done this on, I have gone in to help. I've had huge, tremendous changes. I've gone into properties that were having poaching and turned into no poaching properties. Wow. I've gone into properties that had no rhinos and now have translocated white rhinos and endangered black rhinos which is super rare and now they're, they're thriving and doing well so like i know what i was doing was right so i'm like we should find a way to make this bigger and to share it with everyone for free because we're a non-profit so i raise my funds and then i head out do the training for free to them and then i come back and just keep doing this as much as possible the more i grow the more teams i can hire the more teams i can hire the more parks we can go to yeah well that's hopeful i like yeah. that, that. <laughs> that's good to hear it's great to uh, be able to see your impact yeah that has to be rewarding for you after all um, the work and yeah then with my background in special forces and my other directors and my contacts I think I have a better understanding than most non-profits of how the government works it's like how US State Department works and US aid and US Fish and Wildlife in the States for example like how to apply for grants for the government but there is funding out there for anti-poaching, and there is a lot more money now that's being trying to be pushed out into conservation. I feel the hard thing for um, getting money out the door in these countries is um, corruption. Yeah. So if you're, I have a lot of money to put into anti-poaching somewhere, but how do you ensure that that money is appropriately used? So many times money goes out, and then when you go to find out where it went, you're like, this is just a waste of money. So... With our background, I'm hoping that we can walk in, get these meetings, and be like, "This is who I was. This is what we've done. Like we, 
we have a bit more clout than most people in experience. Yeah, it sounds like using. donating to you would be more of a direct approach at being able to see where your money's going. And uh, yeah, so right now we're configured. Literally, our entire front mission is is this itself. We don't need much. It's money goes towards directly hiring our trainers, which is the skill knowledge in their head. Mm-hmm. Um, the equipment they need and then the equipment they take with them to go donate to the ranges at the end of the week. So if they pass my class, say so do all the steps, they get the certificate and then we donate equipment. So each kit is about $150 for a ranger. New boots, new uniforms, flashlight, um, little multi-tool, a headlamp, all these little things they don't have that can make a huge difference. And you're training ranges on the ground in Asia and Africa? In Asia and Africa, yeah. Right now I'm focusing on Asia because I've been in Africa for a while, so now we're just set up here in Asia. So Thailand has a lot, um, Laos, Myanmar, Cambodia, and then into Indonesia. Wow. Very good work. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's... <laughs> move on. Now that we've, we've had a positive uh, <laughs> outlook on the whole thing, I like go to our standard questions. Yeah. All right. Well, do you want to talk about anything like uh, uh, non-related to to this business of any of your uh, personal, uh, I don't know, more joyful experiences of traveling the world? More joyful experiences. <laughs> Why well, fire dance now? Which is an unusual one for me. Ah, this, is, nice. this, is <laughs> this is good this fun. Is coming to pie. This is coming to pie. Just was kind of like for shits and giggles, but it's kind of nice and like it's quiet when you're doing it. It's one of those things like you're learning a skill and it's all your you got the hands going on, the movement. You're yeah. trying to avoid hitting yourself in the face. So meditative. You can't think of anything else. Yeah, it's yeah. very meditative. Like, what are you doing that? Like, it's meditative. Yeah. I can pick up poi now. I'm learning them. You can't think of anything else when I'm spinning. It's very relaxing. Nice. Plus, if you ask me, like, yo, there's someone shooting guns in the jungle there. Grab this gun and go in the dark. No fear whatsoever. Like, I can do that. Like, yo, dance in front of a bunch of people with fire while everyone is watching you. Scares the crap out of me, <laughs> so I've been forcing myself to do this, and now I do the act in the fire show, the puppet act, which is rehearsed. And um, yeah, it's really hard for me. People think I'm having a great. It's super <laughs> hard for me. Like it's so I'm, I'm awesome. pushing myself to do it now in order to make me more confident in how I present to people. Because now I'm like, mm. I can get other people to look at me. Like I can shout a hundred soldiers and like boss people around, no issue. But being vulnerable and oh my god, everyone's looking at me. Yeah. We're all gonna laugh at you. <laughs> so yeah, so fire dancing and yeah. Wow, way to be brave. That's awesome. Yeah. Love it. Self improvement. That's great. That's really cool. And and going out and uh, out of your comfort zone. It's awesome. Yeah. It's it's a nice change of pace from what I what I do, which like you said, is very like it can seem very down at times. You definitely don't look like the typical fire dancer. I know, right? <laughs> I think you got a great look for it. Yeah, no, like, yeah, for sure. The best fire dancers that we've seen always have like. Uh, a uniqueness to their presentation that you, you could probably capture. I haven't seen you dance yet. Oh, you've I, got to come I, see the puppet act. It's really good. It's really good. It's been a while since we've been. We'll have to. Yeah, we can never stay up that late. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we have friends coming from Chiang Mai this weekend, so we, we're going to take them on Sunday. It'll be good. Like Everyone's been rehearsing now. It's all acts and people put in a lot of effort. It's actually, it's kind of cool to watch everyone evolve and come through. So it's a nice distraction for me. It's nice not to be talking about work or like worrying about the anti-poaching or yeah, I'm not doing enough. I need to be out there doing more. Why can't I do more? Which is always my yeah. yeah. But I'm sure you're doing so much more by t- by stepping out of that for a minute and doing some self care and letting yourself not just be constantly in that headspace of yeah. saving the world. <laughs> That's why Pi is such a great place. I went back to America for a month. And it's all doom and gloom and the news, and I was like, 
Turns out if you just ignore it, it doesn't bother you too much. <laughs> That's when, what I told him from the time we moved here. It took me a while to catch on. Like I would still like, you know, I, I felt like it was my duty to, to stay up to date on current events. And, and turns out that those current events still happen. And <laughs> regardless <laughs> not, yeah. of whether or not you're reading about them. Yeah. And, yeah. and if anything serious happens, you hear about it. Like, And what you put in is like, you know, you start to worry about it. And it starts to affect you negatively. And it seems like America is all against itself. Really, it's just the news. Like, how much yeah. of that is actually... It's all, it's all fabric. I mean, m- mostly fabricated by these... The fourth People branch trying of our to make government. Money. Yeah, these the four channels represent the entire population of America, and you seem like it can seem a lot worse than it is. Absolutely. So, yeah, being uh, here in Pi is great. Some legitimate concerns, but absolutely, yeah. I think Watching our brains are like is. the most powerful search engines. But you know, they what they have in them is what you put in them, yeah. and if you're if you're putting in constant fear and negativity and pressure and spending and, all your energy manifesting that kind of yeah you know rather than taking that energy and and effort and putting it into things that will actually help you know it's it's easy to be depressed about the current situation but if you're doing that and you're not being really it's it's hard to be active at the same time doing something positive absolutely yeah i feel like the more you read the news the less active you become because you already feel like you're doing your duty and and also it becomes so overwhelming because it feels so big it's funny because being here in pi you have a, a huge mix of people but the hippies in general you hear a lot of stuff sometimes, like, this is just a dumb conversation. And then I went back to America, I was like, this is just all so negative. Every single one of my friends were negative. Like, man, I really yeah. do miss like that. Same you might have not seen the most great conversation, but nothing negative. Like, at the end of the world, I'd take that over what I was hearing in America. <laughs> I was like, man, I really miss Pi right now. Yeah, that was, we did a, we did a, we, well, we took a break from the podcast for the month that we were in America in May. And, and we came back and did a podcast episode being like, what the fuck was that? Like, holy shit! I mean, just like this underlying it's tone intense, isn't it? of in, of yeah, intense it negativity, but also just you know, it was really crazy. We didn't realize what a tonal shift there is in conversation with travelers until we went back home to America, and it was just uh, you know, catching up with all of our old friends was just essentially them telling us everything that has gone wrong in their lives since we last saw them, and everything that's gone wrong in the world. It's like that's pretty much it, yeah. <sighs> There's another Why, God. There is, that's why I tell everyone, there is, you're so lucky you did this. Like, I gave up everything to do this. I mean, I gave up a job. I freaking, damn, they broke myself financially to get into this. Like, you, it's a huge risk coming to Thailand yeah. and restarting everything. It's so easy for you. I'm like, it really wasn't. <laughs> go to the other side of the world. Like, I didn't know anyone here when I got here. Yeah. Anyone can do it. Just have to do um, it. <laughs> take the blue pill. Yeah. So, how long ago did you start this nonprofit? Um, been working on this for two years, but officially up and running within the last year. So about a year. But I've been doing this since um, I got out of the army officially in 2016, and I started pro bono, kind of um, being an anti-poaching consultant in 2015. So, is that 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Yeah, four years. Nice. How did you? Uh, how did you pick up your lady in Cape Cod? Oh, she wouldn't leave me alone. That <laughs> Tinder man's downfall. <laughs> sponged onto me. And I got stuck with her. <laughs> what they call that? Stockholm Romantic. Syndrome? With the uh, hostages? <laughs> Someone can help me. She has me under hostage. <laughs> no, she's great. So Cass also, um, she stuck with me because I met her and we had a good time. And then I was heading off to Africa. So I was like, yeah, I'm at the door to go to Africa and do what I do in Africa. She's like, well, I want to come to Africa. So I was like, you know what? There's a volunteer program uh, I knew about where they were volunteering to help anti-poaching and conservationists do rhino monitoring across this massive park I worked at before. 
So the rhinos are tagged with GPS. You can go out and track them with telemetry every day. So you're in the bush on foot with Big Five and tracking. So she went out there for five weeks and did that. And can't get rid of her now. That's pretty hardcore. It seems yeah. like, you know, that was, she proved that she was uh, yeah, she was uh, able, re- able to retired, hang. <laughs> retired firefighter when I met her. And she oh, just wow. got injured on the job too. Around, right around the time I ended up retiring from the military too. So it's funny how things work out. Yeah, for sure. Perfect timing. Yeah. All right. Move on to our standard questions. What's the most unrealistic thing you believe in? Mm, that's a deep one. Most unrealistic thing? Bigfoot. I'm 50-50 on that. Oh, it terrifies <laughs> me. I'm terrified of Bigfoot. It's like a fascination thing of it. He haunts my dreams. If I have nightmares, it's Bigfoot. That's amazing. What's that about? Like Seriously. I just have a huge interest in animals that are undiscovered. There's a huge possibility that that thing could be real. One of my favorite comedians hosts a podcast called the Bigfoot Collectors Club, where he has other comedians to talk on to talk about Bigfoot. You should check that out. <laughs> I've looked into it so much, and it's just so many people have seen it. Like police reports, there's nine one one calls where there's dispatches from police officers where they've called in after they've gone to a crime scene. Like I don't know what we just saw. Like what these are people that do this every day. Same with hunters. Like it could have just been a. You know what damn bear looks like. <laughs> Bears stand up, but if you're you in the woods every bear. day and you're from Maine or like the woods, you know what the animals are. So when you see a big humanoid striding figure, so I, I definitely think they could be. Are they aliens? So there's many theories. Like I don't, know, I don't want to go too crack on it, but <laughs> the possibility of a large something we don't know about, like that wasn't the, has been in our fossil yeah, records. Man. We know. I mean, yeah. there's, they're always coming out with stuff of like new things we're discovering in the ocean of like stuff that we never knew about. I feel like every, every year. There's... America's vast. Like some of the places where these things are meant to be, it's, it's vast. And like, if it is some kind of intelligent ape, it can completely avoid people. There's apes in like Africa, for example. They just discovered a new species of chimpanzee. Um, I can't remember the damn name of it. Fairly new new discovery. They're massive. They're really, really big chimpanzees, and mm-hmm. they just completely avoid people because the civil war. And they war. just discovered them in the last yeah, decade. The locals knew about them and were calling oh. them lion killers. That's the name for them in Africa because they yeah. they're big enough yeah. to take on lions. But no researchers could find them or anything. And the only picture they have of them is uh, they have a game trap camera, and even at distance they can see that. So they they hold off from the camera. I'll show the video after this. So. That shows intelligence. I don't know if they're able to see like the infrared spectrum the camera's on, but like they're aware of the camera and they stay way back and like they avoid it entirely. Wow. And they're only recently and they're a big ape. It's a wow. big size, yeah. Interesting. Big chimpanzee. So. so it is completely conceivable that in North America there might If you're an intelligent yeah, you're upright, you're an intelligent species, like you probably eat you're an omnivore, so you're getting protein in your diet, so you have a well formed brain. Like you've encountered people before and we suck and you realize like <laughs> best way to survive is just to avoid people entirely. It's doable. I have to say I'm I'm, I'm intrigued. Oh yeah. Because yeah. I'm always fascinated about the game cams because a lot of hunters put cameras out and I'm always like, well, why haven't they been caught on camera? But um I've seen the big cats in Africa too will avoid game cameras by the smell or they can see the light because it's got an infrared beam. We can't see it because it's not in our spectrum, but yeah. other animals can see it. Like leopards will stop before a camera because they can obviously see that beam in their spectrum. Of light. Like it's in their light spectrum. So maybe to a Bigfoot, then they things just glow. Who knows? But. Yeah. Curious. Very yeah, I don't know. That's my, is it unrealistic there's a Bigfoot? It's like a 50 50. <laughs> Same with that. I don't want anyone to kill one either because then once everyone knows they're there, it's, once again, we destroy that. 
Aww. Anti-poaching for Bigfoot would be a big thing, though. <laughs> yeah, I think you get a lot of support on that one. Because there can't be that many of them, so it's a sad thing. Like, I want to know if they're real, but then if we know they're real, like... They're dead. Yeah, yeah exactly. People will go out and try and hunt How them. How depressing and... is that statement? Just... It's, yeah. <laughs> well, we know they're there. They're fucked. <laughs> like, as a general idea, that's so depressing. What about our children? What if they kill someone? What if we can kill all of them just fine? I just leave them alone if they are real. <laughs> well, if there was one behavior or action in the world you could get everyone to do or stop doing, what would it be? One behavior or action in the world? Um, plastic. I'm getting better at myself. Like, having gone to Indonesia, as you, as you have, it's off the charts. Yeah. And what affects the world there is going to soon affect America because the way it swells for the oceans. Um the whales are eating it. The killer whales are dying. It's in a rain. It's unavoidable. I mean, it's terrible. And it becomes microplastics. It breaks down in the okay. ocean. Same way glass does in these tiny bits, which sucks for the massive filter feeding fish because they eat so much of it. So your big species like tuna that are eating all these small fish that are really heavy in it, it, it adds up in them. So plastics, yeah. They try and give you plastic with everything here in Asia too. I yeah. carry a bag and say I mean, no to a lot. Plastic isn't always like, you know, easily recognizable so many people don't know that microfiber in fabric clothing is or whatever fabric that's that's tiny little plastics and it breaks down to be terrible if you if you wash it in a washing machine that's going into our water and that's killing fish and also it's just an evil 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 fabric from birth to death need to understand the concept more like once we touch it once and chuck it away if i saw a couple of um good articles online where someone had kept all the plastic they had for a year and the pictures of them at home with all their plastic in the kitchen or in the living room it's very like that's your trash for a year for one person if your family of five had that like your trash for the last 10 years and you could actually see it i think it'd be alarming to people it's the fact that we get to throw it away and it goes away from us yep because yeah even at home i'm recycling bottles and stuff now it builds up and we're trying to cut down as much as possible so if people could cut down on single-use plastics it's hard not all it's hard sometimes but as much as possible Think it's it not as hard as you yeah. think. If you stop yeah, using it as much, as as everyone stops using it, they, they won't sell it as much. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. One little action by one person times by a million people is, is noticeable. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think just with a few fairly like easily to implement like infrastructural changes, we could eliminate single-use plastic. I mean, there's no reason for it. Oil. It's like, made from petroleum. Well, that's, I mean, that's the only reason, I mean, in my opinion, that is. But Trump's president. Prevalent. Yeah, I mean, like, mm-hmm. I think the oil companies literally would have, like, invest billions of dollars to make sure that we don't make single use plastic illegal, which Same is like, with a that. fairly easy solution. We just said it's illegal. It's, anything that is a single use plastic is no longer able to be sold. It doesn't go anywhere. This is a scary thing. Why can we keep producing it? It's not an infinite world. We, it goes nowhere. Because you touched it, well, it's going somewhere. Um, Kenya, they banned single-use plastics in Kenya, and everyone's like, "Yay!" That's because you haven't seen what it did to the country before they banned mm-hmm. it. It is in the it is in the ground. You you turn the fields over, it's plastic. The waterways are full of plastic. The animals eat plastic and die. Like everything is plastic. That's why they banned it in Kenya. So it, it look up the videos of Kenya before they banned it, and it's still so terrible there. That's going to happen. Yeah, I had read about like a warlord somewhere in Africa that had banned single-use plastic in whatever region he was in and like he was not spoken of fondly i wish i could remember what the exact article was now um but i mean 
you know, we're we're criticizing these individuals, but they're able to do something as progressive as eliminate single-use plastic. Surely we can do our part. That's why I like pie too, because yeah, it produces a lot of plastic. But there are movements here to kind of cut down on that. Like the walking yeah. street thing is something that could really be tackled. Plastic-free pie. Yeah, okay. that polystyrene stuff they get rid of. They put out with all the mills. They just change it to leaves. It's just someone would have yeah, to find they're, they're make it profitable. It. Yeah, but it's. It's cool here that people are exposed to it. I wasn't really exposed to it until I came to buy, and now oh. I implement that into my strategy for my nonprofit. I'm very aware oh, of that now. Awesome. Moving forward, like, for my future teammates or people we hire, like I'm, I'm implementing this. That's great. So, it, yeah, pie has a difference in people, so it's it's awesome for that. Yeah, I love the statue or sculpture of the of the water bottles on on Walking Street. Oh, that's like, uh, like, Warwick did that. Um, Warwick did that. Yeah. So he's with a uh, trash hero. So he's always around the country doing stuff like that. He's been dealing with the dugons down, like their version of manatees down in Thailand, which are just dying yeah. since one dies every two weeks now on the beach. Just plastic and lack of seagrass. <laughs> they eat seagrass. The water's too warm. Seagrass will die in. The mothers have not enough food to feed the babies. It seems to be young dugons dying. More plastic ingestion for the turtles. I see so much stuff like that. Poaching of turtle eggs for tourism and shells and Bycatcher nets, plastic nets everywhere. It's just, it does seem daunting some days. But people are moving. And not, I think one of the big things for conservation is there's not enough people doing it. It might seem like there's, there's this big nonprofit doing it, but even that big nonprofit's not a million people. It's yeah. 10,000 people trying to solve what 100,000 people are dumping every day. Like it's, we aren't very big. That's why all the help and donations we can get helps nonprofits grow and hire more people. So. <laughs> What's the most annoying thing about people? Hmm, I've got some good ones on this one. Their faces. Um, <laughs> uh, people can get over stuff very quickly. Like, oh, the Amazon's burning. We should do something. Still fucking burning. That was last week. Everyone's moved on now. Like, oh, okay, what now? We will have the attention span of which also I think social media is driving. Like by by design, it's designed people to move on very quickly. Yeah, get hysterical and then forget. Yeah, forget get hysterical so no, over the next thing and then no matter forget. how bad anything is, like, oh my god, they'll forget by a week. Like that whole rainforest thing's over now, people go back to eating burgers and chucking trash and yeah. so getting people to actually care about the environment as a whole, because it's screwing all of us. Yeah. The air made in the Amazon is the same air we breathe here. The air from the here, the water, it's all the same, same. So Seems people with that app, like the view, like we're safe in America. It's the ocean is one ocean. The air, the ozone is one. <laughs> yeah. Just, Not looking forward for those chickens to come home to roost. I almost They're am. roosting, bro. I, I mean, know, last yeah, week yeah. in the Carolinas. I'm like, I'll be fine. Like I told my, tell my girl that like, no matter what, we'll go somewhere like, We'll go to the mountains of Mongolia. I'm for yeah. adventure. Same. All right, we stuck in the city with everyone else. So I'm going to go far away as possible. Yeah. Get, find a little tribe somewhere in the hills with AC, maybe Wi-Fi. You <laughs> <laughs> don't need much. That's the spirit. What is something that is really popular now, but in five years, everyone will look back on and be embarrassed by? Do people embarrass anymore? I see people posting stuff that's dumber and dumber. You're like, <laughs> how are you not embarrassed by posting this? What is? We have that conversation regularly. <laughs> Being what, like, what were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, who is this for? How are you getting positive 
reinforcement to continue this. dumb now that will be dumb in five years. Maybe like the plastic straws and stuff. Uh, it seems like now people are very aware of that. So I think that's one that might come around. I try not to do them as much as possible, but they always shove them in your drink here if yeah. we can say no. Like, I yeah. started giving them back anyway. And like I seem to just throw them out. But yeah. I'm hoping that eventually they'll catch on. Like, why, why do these frogs keep giving me yeah, back this I have, straw? I brought some metal ones, which I carry around as much as possible. But yeah. I'm always afraid of falling on it and killing myself. Yeah. I also like, there's been so many times where I've taken the cup up to my, my yeah. just, like, hits my tooth, and I'm like, one of these times, one of these times. It's gonna... Impaled by a straw. Yeah. <laughs> like, what happened to you? Drinking I died accident. for the environment. <laughs> Remember me. Yeah. I'm sure that's how we're all going to go out. Uh, what is your favorite thing about yourself? My sense of humor. And I'm always, look on the bright side of life. I always say 50 50. I'm like, that's not the odds. I'm like, it is. It either is or it isn't. <laughs> Are we okay in this situation? 50-50. Like, either we're not or we are. Like, it is or it isn't. It's odds for everything, man. It is or it isn't. So, yeah, 50-50. Pretty optimistic in life. And if you fall down, like, you can always pat yourself up and get back up again. Like, just keep moving forward. Woohoo. I like that. He's essentially saying fail well. Fall forward. If you're going to fail, fall forward. Don't fail and be like, oh, my God, I'm failing. Like, lesson learned. I've been burnt doing this anti-poaching thing. I've had some bad deals. I've been in bad situations. So you learn ways to get better at it. Yeah, just yeah. not to take it as bad. And just be like, lesson learned. I'm not doing that again. And just if you're gonna fall, fall forward. Just keep moving forward. That's awesome. Yeah, love it. What is your most embarrassing story before age ten, or young? Before age ten, so from childhood. From childhood. Sorry, I'll change the official writing of this question. Um. I nearly lost my little brother once, brand new. I've got two brothers and a little sister. I'm the you oldest. mean like lost at a playground, not like died? Uh, No, like lost, like tied to a Wattweiler in a snowstorm. Wait, wait what? Okay. <laughs> so I, as the oldest, would always have to take my siblings out, like, go play with your brothers and sisters. And where did you grow up? So mom and dad can have some time at home to relax. <laughs> we know yeah, what that right. means. <laughs> now, I'm like, gross <laughs> but, um yeah so it was snowing so we had like this little crappy plastic sled so i got me my next brother down and the little the little baby brother like his little snowsuit and we're like trying to drag him along so we're like you know what? we'll take the rottweiler we had this big rottweiler called max he was a psycho <laughs> so um we decided to tie the sled to the rottweiler and then put the baby in the sled i lived in the countryside in england like some rolling sheep field <laughs> woods and stuff so we were like having fun that dog got a scent of something and took off with the baby like that's the first time i learned tracking a young man at the age of probably like below 10 was like tracking this rottweiler down like he went for forever oh, across God. his pasture and like i'm trying to reason with my other brother like he's a new baby the parents might miss him as much like we can probably explain our way out of this and uh it wasn't until like a few years ago at christmas dinner my little brother was like remember that time you the snap with the dog my mom's like, what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> kept it a secret for that long. Yeah. He remembered? Yeah. I also used to chuck him out the bedroom window. We had a house like this with a little balcony. And when I'd babysit, we'd like take all the mattresses from in the house, like down the stairs, outside, and put them outside the outside ledge. And then we'd chuck the little brother off the ledge onto the mattresses and he'd bounce laughing. Huh. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. We'd babysitting edit, fun. Definitely good stuff like that too. <laughs> I feel like there's still some stories left that we haven't had. We haven't told our parents about. <laughs> we have one friend that always comes over, an old, old friend, been, you know, involved in all of our stories that we never told our parents about. But now he has a habit of, of Mrs. Riley 
getting around my mother and they get to talking and he gets excited and then he starts telling all these stories <laughs> and she doesn't always react as though they're funny stories from like 15 20 years ago and she's still like wait you did what <laughs> like oh god i'm the one who's going to hear about this later <laughs> 30 years old still getting yelled at for throwing somebody out of a window <laughs> so i'm assuming you found Oh, yeah, we found him. He was fine. No, he died. That's how yeah, this story that's ends. That's when I first learned the art of tracking, <laughs> so I wouldn't get my ass beat when I came over without my little brother. He must have been like, I don't know, how old is a little toddler? Like, four? Old enough not to get out of the sled and go for a ride with a Mottweiler. I'm impressed that he held on that lot. Yeah, we strapped him in good. <laughs> we also make, used this was back when we used to make go-karts all the time. Like, we'd take the old prams, the old school ones with the big wheels, and we'd make these jinky-ass go-karts, send them down hills. Nice. We'd test them out with him in it, like, <laughs> in you get, Kira? And like, push him, like, oh yeah, we wrecked him around a lamppost one day pretty good. He's crying, like, don't tell the parents. <laughs> tell me you fell over on the way home. Don't you dare tell us. <laughs> I really like your reasoning. He's a new one. The parents yeah. probably like they're not that used to him. They might not even notice if he's gone. We can explain this away. Maybe the dog <laughs> ate him. Blame the dog. <laughs> I mean, he was safe as a test or a Wattweiler. No one was going to take the damn thing. <laughs> That's a spirit. <laughs> what is the book that has most influenced your life? Hmm. I read a lot too. It's a good one. I don't know. The dictionary. <laughs> Brit- I'm British educated. My fine and eloquent use of the, the English language. <laughs> Amazing answer. The dictionary. What's your favorite word? What's your favorite sounding Blasphemy. word? Oh. Blasphemy. Follow shenanigans is a good one too. Ooh, Blasphemy and shenanigans. shenanigans. If you can explain Kevin in two words, blasphemy <laughs> and shenanigans would be it. <laughs> Died of blasphemy and shenanigans <laughs> that's what's going to be written on your yeah i always joke that is a heaven i'm gonna be like oh jesus christ i did not see this I'm one coming back. <laughs> what life practices do you do to keep yourself sane and balanced sane and balanced <laughs> what um i do yoga here actually i started doing yoga which is very good i used to frown upon yoga but now i've been injured uh-uh. in- Injured in my time in the military, I messed up my back, broke my back. Um, broke your back? Yeah, I completely what? blew out a disc, and the one above it is damaged. I had bone spurs. I destroyed an ankle, tore shoulders. Yeah, I'm just full of oh. full of war injuries and hard life. So yoga has been you look great. You don't yoga like has been great. Hardened at all? <laughs> Pie man's super healthy. Like, I eat like a pig here, but the food is so healthy. There's no extra fat and like. You can eat Thai food all day. It's you yep. won't get fat. And we and I do. Just go to the gym every other day and I fire dance and just yeah, stay in shape. Nice. But I like it. But yoga's been great. I don't go as much as I should, but I've picked up yoga now I before I do my workouts in the gym, my yoga stretch. Now how long did it take you to find in yoga enjoyable? Um He's done it like three period? times ever, and he's like, "This is torture. I hate it's this. Torture. Why are you doing this to it me?" It's torture. I definitely think the more you start doing it, the more you kind of limber up and know the moves, and it does help. It. I don't wake up sore when I do it, and I'm like, "Man, I really should be doing yoga." He also believes that, as of right now, being completely out of touch with his body and never stretching or doing anything, he doesn't have pain, and any time he stretches then he has pain. So he thinks that we're all crazy and that if we never stretched, we would never have pain and need to stretch. 
I definitely think it's like when you're fighting. So I do a lot of martial arts and I used to teach hand-to-hand stuff in the army. It definitely helps with your flexibility when your your muscles are stretched. They lengthen so you can reach down and touch your toes easier, which I definitely feel helps you maneuver a lot easier. Like your range of motion increases. Yeah, but he's like, why would I need to do that? I don't need. I don't do anything that I need to have a range of motion. Why I do? Yeah, I'm I'm the range of motion on your behalf. <laughs> Definitely yoga since I've been here, I think, is the big one I've added to my life. And then just eating eating less processed junk. Here, I eat healthy all day and plenty of food. Do you miss processed junk at all? I thought you were giving me the thing. That's what I do to my mum all the time. What? Glorious. Thank you. Is that right? Do you miss processed junk? No. Mm -hmm. When I went to America, every now and then I get a burger or or try something I think I'm going to miss. It's going to be so good. It's, It's, ugh. Another thing we were surprised by was how salty everything was. Yeah, oh, yeah, we could. I mean, you don't notice that it's like not salty from most dishes here. I mean, I think like guacamole is the only thing we put salt on because that's weird to not have salt guac and guacamole. It's kind of bland. Yeah, because um, the chips are so bland too, so it needs salt. But any, but other than that, like we didn't, we didn't notice. We don't put salt on anything here. We went back to America and we're like, oh god, like this is hard to eat. Like it's burning my tongue. It's so salty. Sugar every time too. We went out you to get dinner. salad with cranberries, like healthy cranberries, but they're soaked in sugar. I looked at a packet of cranberries. Um, Cassie's mom made me breakfast one morning. A packet like a, of cranberries? Yeah. She said a packet of cranberries and she put it in the oatmeal. And I was looking at the, just the ingredients on the back. 11 grams of sugar for like a serving, which is like a quarter of a cup. 11 grams of sugar. That's a decent amount of Trevor sugar. Trevor cranberries are the most evil things ever to uh, be invented. So he's Told on you. your side here. I told you. Yeah, I worked at a California Pizza Kitchen and a salad there was like 2,000 plus calories. It's ridiculous. You don't and people would, yeah, I swear to God, people How? were eating this like, oh, I'll, I'll do the healthy option. I'll eat. I mean, I, they were, they were What's equal in them? to the sugar. Or is it just sugar. the dressing sugar. that makes it like that? They, they, they're sweet on their own, but they soak them in sugar and add all these. They soak them in sugar, then they add all these preservatives to them. To yep. so going from here, where you're eating healthy snacks all day, and you're going back to that, it's really noticeable. Even what they call healthy, that isn't healthy. It's, yeah, again, I mean, like, yeah, if we eat really healthy, but and eating healthy in the U.S. Going out to dinner people, to like healthy restaurants, it was still like literally my tongue burning from yeah. the salt. I hear all the time, I try to eat healthy, but I can't lose weight. Because you're eating shit all day, like everything, yeah. even the healthy stuff, healthy snacks you get from the store, like. Don't buy healthy snacks. Just buy it whole. You can buy any of the meats you want. Just make sure it's whole. Veg, yep. make sure it's whole. Grain, and then your spices. You can do whatever you want. Just don't buy prepackaged. Yeah, it's so much yeah. easier than y'all make it seem. I know. And then people, yeah. 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 All, like Oreos are vegan. Right. Gosh. And they're not healthy. What what is the most environmentally friendly thing you do, and the main environmentally friendly thing you want others to do? The main environmentally friendly thing I do: save an endangered species. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> good work, nailed it. Cutting right. down on my plastic is one I'm working on now, and then uh, now I have a company. And we're going to be growing in the future as we go. Like it's something I'm going to make sure we continue on. And um, we print and recycle paper. My business cards recycle paper. The t-shirts I'm, I produced and I'm buying come from recycled plastic bottles from, um, I think, Vista, no, I can't remember, Print in America? I can't remember. But yeah, they're recycled bottles, so I did it on nice. that. So I definitely want to cut down on office waste when we get an office and stuff like this. Not print unless we need to print, and it's on the emails, like, please don't print unless you need to. So Nice. Trying to make sure now the company as a whole becomes as green as possible as we, as we move forward and grow, which I think is actually pretty cool. 
Absolutely. I haven't really thought about that. I said that out loud. Like, yeah, that's kind of neat to start that off and be like, yeah, I have a company now and I'm going to, this is how we're going to do things. Very nice. Why do people do small talk? Why do people do small talk? And what are your feelings? Not being confident in themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, people, they're like, hey, I really like your haircut. It's a way in. Or, like, just taking the time to notice people. Like, the shirt they're wearing or the bracelet or a ring or... I've, I used to teach human behavior when I was in special forces and stuff like that. So people tend to what dress you, how they feel like outward. purposes? Um, yeah, just for being able to read people, just to be able to go in a bar or, or a restaurant. And like, I wasn't always in uniform just to be able to work for people. Was it like to suss out the situation? Yeah, or like, or, to, or like how, to make, how to win friends. Or, and uh-huh. like, you know, if you're trying to recruit people or you're trying to persuade a guerrilla chief to come onto your side or if you're meeting someone or anything so once you start doing that i do it all the time so i like to talk to people you get you get good at talking to people by practicing like out of your comfort zone and pi is great for that mm-hmm. you can talk to anyone here no one's about why are you talking to me you can <laughs> literally just sit down and start talking to them if you fail who cares like, find someone else but you find that like, everyone wants to be spoken to so like as long as you have a good just how are hi how are you this is who i am what are you doing here what do you do People but like to talk about themselves. Before we started this, you said that you're not good at bullshit. So what do you what do you find the relationship to t- between bullshit and small talk to be? Um, small talk is... I always think small talk is like where people just are bugging you. Someone <laughs> just wants to come up and talk to you for some reason. Like, do you have a purpose of this? Are you not in the mood for this? Bullshit, I mean, more like... I just can't say fake people. Or people who say one thing but don't do another. Or who aren't very... If you aren't very driven, you get under my skin. Um, that's just from being in the army and in special forces, like, I, which is also my my curse to like how I hold myself in my head and but you how love much I in pie? push. It's a frustration. <gasps> that's why I'm also doing the fire show because okay. it makes me a lot more patient. I usually don't consider people's feelings, but now I do. I'm like, okay. oh my god, that upsets someone. So now I feel like I'm more aware of stuff, which is probably good being the president of a nonprofit because yeah, I need sure. to be very aware of. So coming from that special forces background, like things need to get done, and this is how they get done, and this is. So now here, Pi has definitely taught me to um, think about how people might view that and then to improve on how I present it to them. So in a way, like being here in Pi has helped my skills. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. But yeah, frustrating as hell. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. Human behavior. Are there any like, you mentioned people like to talk about themselves. Are there any like... How to win friends and influence down. people. Yeah. What are the bullet points? Body language, man. Body language. People say so much without even saying it. Like the human body tells you everything. How you're sitting when people are uncomfortable. I don't have to say I don't like the question. I can just like how your eyes flutter and like you're touching your neck. It's because you've got the blood's heating up, more blood's going to your veins, so your neck gets itchy, the back of your neck. Um, if people don't like questions, they'll cover up or they'll put something between them, like me and you. Like, this is my wall or purse or a book. Like, I don't know. Let me do So people will self-cover. Fine. Same if people start to cover their, like, women like to cover their breasts because what you want to protect. Like, or crossing your legs or turning away from people. So I also like pie because you have such a melting pot of people. Yeah. So I like to just people watch, like, them awkward first meetings. But you can tell someone's not really digging it. And you can tell when guys are doing well chatting to a woman, like, oh. how they're. So people say so much and we understand what they're saying, but we don't understand what they're doing. Like the brain's telling, I think they like me, but if you knew what the signs are and how to manipulate them, you can you can win people from body language too, which is really neat. <laughs> this is in in Kung Fu, one of the things they're telling us is that you have to like always be in like a really grounded 
balanced posture to like stand with your feet apart and just be like prepared and grounded and balanced to like take a hit and and like that's the way to show off confident body language and i've thought about that a lot since they first said this uh, since i first learned this and i'm like that's not really i'm not really trying to give off the message in any given situation that i'm ready to take a hit like that is not that is not what i'm trying to communicate like i mean i i feel like a lot of uh at kung fu and in general people comment that i'm often standing in tree pose this is just like a very comfortable position for me to be on one foot with my leg up on my thigh and but i feel like that's exactly what i want to be communicating yeah uh, of course, if you're going to hit me, I'm going to fall down <laughs> easily but, and so, fast. Like, for me, I'd be, I'd be reading that as like a relaxed position to so someone that's comfortable with themselves, that you're not, you don't care what someone's thinking about you, so your chances are you're somewhat outgoing, because most yeah. people are like, I'm standing, like, I'm not like how I'm standing, so like, once again, your posture's telling people a lot. Mm. Um, yeah, if, where you're sitting, how you're positioned in a room, like people use like, how you use your hand, you know, like this is a universal sign for like peace and happiness, like this is showing no weapons. This is why when people talk happy, they talk open hands versus this, which is like an aggressive pointing, which people don't like. Interesting. Yeah. Curious. Same if like people talk like this sometimes, it's the same thing. It's showing you one of my most vulnerable parts. It's like my veins like exposed, same in my neck. So women do the hair toss, like they do it unconsciously. See women, they talking to a man, they like it. Like they do this hair toss. It's a preening thing. It's something that's yeah. in the brain. Like it's getting pretty. It's, they don't realize they're even doing it, but it's one of the signs. You're, you're British. You, do you know the, the band The Streets? Yes. I always think of this one song that's like, I saw this thing on ITV the other week that says if she plays with her hair, she's probably keen. That's an old one, too. Yeah. That's like 10 years old. That's the like streets. 2004. Yeah, that's to wow. say. <laughs> I had the CD of The Streets Me back too. when I had a CD player. Yeah. Kids nowadays will never know about a CD player and skipping. <laughs> Oh man! Remember that trying to run yeah, with a CD player in your pocket, or yeah. or dancing next to the CD player, like the big one in. at home. You had to like dance at a certain distance away from Taking it. Taking toothpaste, <laughs> toothpaste, and clean your CDs so you can so you can play them. I've never did toothpaste, just like rub it on my shirt. Download from LimeWire. And burning CDs or or mixtapes. Times <laughs> technology. Okay. Um, all right. So tell everyone one more time uh, where they can find you and anything they can do to. So you can find our website at wildresponse.org. Um, I'm on Facebook as Wild Response. And then from the Facebook, we're starting a Facebook group for anti poaching just to post our stories on what anti poaching is and some classes we're going to start teaching like human tracking and animal behavior and medical. And then we'll start linking them to a YouTube channel. And then from there, the plan is to um, start recording when we're in the field training ranges. So I want people to see like where your money is going or what the rangers are doing around the world, which in itself is a, it's a story. Um, I'd love to reach out to some, a show or someone that does videos to kind of follow and do this. I've had people do it in Africa for me. Like Africa has so many people there trying to help in Africa. Like everyone knows about Africa. Really, <laughs> no one says anything about Asia. Yeah. There's 100,000 elephants in Africa. Over here, we're down to 3,000 in like this side of Asia, and like 3,000, some change on the tigers. Um, Sumatran rhinos are down to 80. So, here, oh, yeah, the populations wow. here in Asia are super low compared to Africa, but there really isn't this huge public awareness of this side of the world, which is mm-hmm. also why I took a huge risk and was like, I'm going to go to Asia. This is where I should be helping. And then I teach them everything I know from Africa because there's a lot of stuff I think is pertinent here that they don't really do. And likewise, I'll take what I learn here and send it to my guys when they go to Africa and kind of figure out what works where and really try and 
push the technology out to guys. Well, that's awesome. You're doing a great work, and uh, thank you on behalf of the world. <laughs> and thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, it's great to have pleasure you. <laughs> it's a pleasure having you. Bye. So, okay. Now you can talk. (laughs) Trevor didn't know anything about palm oil, and then he was like, why? He was shocked because I love chocolate, and he was like, you don't eat Nutella? And I was like, yeah, man, palm oil. And he's like, what? This is one I should have bitched about. Um, I love Nutella and chocolate, and then I've been away, made aware of palm oil from my friend who's been in Borneo and doing orangutans, and started doing some research, and I'm like, what the hell? So just our drive for chocolate and Nutella products where they're using palm oil, they are just raising huge areas of land. It's not regulated like the West. It's there. It's, they just do what the fuck they want to do, and they're cutting down everything. So uh, the orangutans are basically having nowhere to live. They're walking around villages, and people are shooting them full of pellets, and... Um, yeah, just for us to eat chocolate is destroying these parts of Asia. And you'd be shocked how many products contain palm oil. Yeah, it's yeah, which is crazy, man. Like the people that destroy the world. I mean, yeah, we as consumers, but a lot of us aren't aware of what our choices do. So the choice to not eat Nutella, it's not the biggest choice in the world, man. I can survive without Nutella, but even just cutting down like once once every month, have have a treat, but don't buy it all the time. Like, cutting down or there's there's so many alternatives to nutella and it's also really easy to make your own nutella if you i mean get fucking cocoa powder or melted chocolate hazelnuts and coconut oil and sustainably harvest coconut oil it's so easy put it in a blender Uh, it's uh, we have some we have some that i made last month um and there's also especially in the u.s there's a lot of brands and europe uh my personal favorite is not it's an italian brand not goyo Lata. <laughs> it has like, a little squirrel logo. Um, you know, the one I'm talking What? You don't know? You don't remember the Nutella type thing that I ate in the US that I was so obsessed with and I would buy like six jars at a time from Amazon that I would put on anything. Anytime I made you crepes or like anything. I'm deeply offended because um, I, I care. I'm, I'm a big fan of this product and so many of so much of uh, I mean, there's problems with, you know, shipping internationally and whatever. I feel guilty about that. But Italy's doing so many uh, really great things with organic farming and taking their processed products and uh, making it a much more sustainable process using more uh, sustainable ingredients. Um and and that's just it's it tastes better than Nutella that one, but it's so easy to make your own at home and way cheaper than buying any of the prepackaged ones. And and you can you know adjust the proportions as you see fit. If you like it sweeter, add more sugar. If you don't, don't add any sugar. It's like Trevor said, though, it's in everything. You just don't realize how much stuff it's in. Yeah, but it's only in stuff that ha- that's in a package. So as you were saying earlier in the podcast, stop eating stuff that's in a package, and that will reduce the vast majority of all it's of our problems. not like it gets rid of all your delicious food. There's still more delicious food you can eat that isn't in the package. Like, you don't have to stop all of it. Like It's hard to stop all of it, but still you can just be aware. Like, Do I really need to eat this one meal just to chuck away? Like, I am now... I'm kind of ruined where I buy stuff like I really want this, but I don't want all this plastic. I'm just gonna chuck away when I get home. Like, it's such a wasteful 
the, and most of the stuff isn't recycled too. A lot of what, even what, all the plastic, oh, it just gets recycled. So much of it nope. doesn't get yeah. recycled. A small fraction. And also, recycling isn't that great of a of a. It's better than nothing, but it is the lowest on the totem pole of initiatives. Yeah, most of our guests, when we say, "What's the most environmentally friendly thing you do?" They recycle. I have seen now there is a bunch of um, people making hemp-based plastics that are biodegradable. Mm-hmm. There's another company that's, um, I think they have some kind of algae or something they're using in now. Or some kind of, mm-hmm. I think it's algae they're using. It turns, yeah. it turns into a plastic and then they harden it. But once it's wet for a long period of time or something, it dissolves. So biodegradable, there is a way to do it in the future. I feel like now companies are being shamed. The company that jumps on board that bandwagon will sell more products right because now they're like oh we are the only company so maybe that's the shift that will come in the future is now it'll be i think it's definitely already it'll happening be more it make more sense for companies to change to that to get a better better profit margin absolutely they can attract more customers and in doing so everyone else will have to follow over i saw thailand too is also pushing to to control their plastic here soon for sure but really, so with so many of these things and so many environmental initiatives, we t- you say things like, you know, it's in all of our food. And I never promote environmentalism as a thing of deprivation. Like, it does not have to be. I'm saying stuff like making your own Nutella is, is cheaper. It can be way more delicious. It's really fast. I mean, to do to throw three to five ingredients into a blender and mix it to your desired consistency is not going to take more than two minutes max if you have a shitty blender and then you have a delightful treat and that's the same thing with so many so many packaged products is like it's so easy to create alternatives that you don't require that don't require all this processing that don't require unnecessary added ingredients and uh and it's not it doesn't have to be a lifestyle of deprivation it's a lifestyle of exploration experimentation for the betterment of our planet like literally yeah. people don't do very well at planning ahead it's uh, we know something bad's coming potentially but everyone's like well you know that's later yeah it's, it's i think that's definitely magnified crazy. in the other countries that are outside of the west where the education is low it's like it's very much like they live hand to mouth you know what they, they make enough to eat and survive and they have a bunch of children like that's in the future. That's yeah. They look at it like, well, we just dump all this plastic now. Like it's you know, it's their problem in the future. It's just that always like there's someone else. It's the next generation. It just compiles and compiles. I think a lot of the problems that we're facing today can be characterized as thinking about long term problems as short term solutions. Yeah. I've seen some big reforestation products lately. There's some really good ones out there that are replant like um is it the Eden Project that's doing reforestation? There's a lot out there that are planting hundreds of thousands of trees. It will take 10, 20 years to repair a lot of it, but it comes back. It's the best carbon machine in the world. It literally pulls carbon from the atmosphere. It cools down the planet. You can literally just plant trees. I saw like something where they were using drones to plant trees. That sounds like a great idea. I hope yeah. in the future they'll do a lot more like that and just plant more trees because it, it makes a huge difference. In the they hold water in the soil. They stop soil erosion. Um, it, homes for birds and insects, which are part of pollinization, it's it, they're massive. It's the homes of a lot of creatures, and yeah, to cut them down, like, even though we know it's bad, to cut them down on such a large number, we still do it. Yep, so. yep. <laughs> do better, guys. Come on. Yeah. 
make small changes. Like, yeah. Everyone's like, what difference, what difference do I make? A million people say that. So if you listen to a podcast and everyone makes a little change, it cuts back on straws. Amen. It cuts back the number the one theme sometimes. of our podcast is individual action. So that's a big one I'm trying to push through while responses, raising awareness and letting people know like, this is how we can do these things. So yeah. My followers in the future, and I have a lot of them, like even just a small fraction does it. It's, it's 50,000 people. It's 100,000 people we're going to touch. So it matters. Hell yeah. So that's my take on palm oil. Yay. Well, you didn't talk much. <laughs> okay, bye.